0: Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation, as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message.
1: All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, A messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing, with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided us, they stole all of the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I have, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin by blaming God.
0: Thanks, Rock. Uh, sorry, folks, I, I wish I had a little bit uh, more of an uplifting scripture verse for Father's Day. But uh, this plays right in the Father's Day. Plays right into Father's Day. And I'm going to tell you a story right now that I have told uh, to you many times before. Uh, you might have heard it, you might have not. But it just makes so much sense to me in relationship to our uh, relationship to God the Father. And it was this. Uh, it was quite a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago, uh, my parents uh, took us. Uh, to Mexico. Uh, they took us to an all-inclusive resort in Mexico. It was a lot of fun and we went with my sister and her kids and husband and my mom and dad. It was absolutely a blast. But our flight to Mexico left out of Logan at 5 a.m. So we left here at, what is that? We left here like at 1 a.m. in the morning, probably 2 a.m. in the morning. Pretty early, right? Well, We went upstairs to wake the kids up to say that we were going to Mexico. And the night before, we had told them we were leaving at 2 in the morning to go to Mexico. Now, when I went into the girls' room, they were older and understood what was going on. So they came, they got right out of their bed, and got going, and got down into the car. Now, Jesse was about 3. He didn't understand, even though I had told him we were going to Mexico. When I got to Jesse's room at like two o'clock, uh, 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 uh. and as I scoop underneath him and pull him out from his nice, warm, comfortable blankets, what's he say? No, 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 no. But I'm like, buddy, we're going to Mexico. And at two in the morning, the three-year-old goes, I don't want him. I don't want him. We're going to Mexico. So then I take him. I carry him down the stairs. It's April in New Hampshire, so I'm walking through the snow, and the car is cold, because I haven't got up at midnight to turn it on, we're just going to go for it, and so I put him in a cold car seat, and because I have to make sure it's safe, I don't let any blankets get in the way of putting the cold buckle on him, and the three-year-old's like, "Ah, ah, no, no, Right? And he's like waving his arms at me. I'm like, bro, bro, we're going to Mexico, dude. Bro, we're going to Mexico, man. I don't want to. I don't want to. But we get going and he falls asleep. We get down to the Wolverton Station where we're going to get in the bus. I get him out of his seat. Ah, uh, ah, uh, the whole routine all over again. I bring him into the bus station where it's super bright light. He's like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. And then we get on a bus where you can't really get comfortable. Uh, right? But when we get to Mexico, he's like, Oh my goodness, they have a water slide. And you can just go get a pina colada anytime you want. We had to like cut the kids off. They were like, You can't just walk to anywhere you want and just keep getting, like, they drank more coffee, frozen drinks. I mean, they were bouncing off walls down there. So, our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father operates in a similar way. The book of Job is one of the oldest pieces of literature. It's a poem. And back before we had internet, back before we even had books. See, school back in the day, they couldn't afford books. They didn't have books, they didn't have print. So when you learn something in school, you actually learn a poem. And a poem then helped you memorize. And the poem then was to, to, to stay in your head so that you can memorize. The book of Job, believe it or not, is a poem. Now, it's a really big poem. It starts off with a dialogue between God and Satan. Then it moves to a dialogue between Job and his friends. And then it ends with a dialogue, an epic dialogue between Job and God. And this ancient literary poem searches works through the question it works through the question of why do bad things happen why is there suffering why is there loss why is there pain and there is no other question that is plagued mankind, that is plagued to humankind, than the question of why suffering? Why? And just look in my story, Jesse, at the age of three, when I woke him up at two in the morning, why? 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 then I put him in the cold car seat. Why? Why? And then I took him out of the car seat into the bright lights of the bus station. Why? Why? And then I made him stand in the TSA line. And I was saying, why? Why? You know. And then we get in the, in the tiny little you know, coach class of the six-hour flight. And my knees were jammed into hard plastic. Armrest of the seat in front of me, and then they tilt it down even before we took off, and I go, why? Why? You know. And you and I are the same. You see here in chapter one that there's a dialogue between God and Satan. And this dialogue is creepy. This dialogue is scary. And if you are going to believe in God, you are going to have to wrestle through this dialogue. One of the first things I say to people when they come into my office and they're facing suffering, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a child, the use of the C word from a doctor, cancer. One of the things I look right into their face, I say, you do not have the luxury of cheap faith right now. When you suffer, when there is pain in your life, it always exposes your cards. It is unbelievable how Corona and this protesting has exposed the cards of people. Because, see, we like to walk around our everyday life. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good, good. Oh, nice to see you. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. nice to see you. Nice to see you. Hey, have a wonderful day. Yep, yeah, have a wonderful day. There you go. And those are the only cards we show. Those are the only cards we see. Oh, hey, okay, how are you doing? Great, how are you doing? Great, good, good. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. oh, good to see you. Good to see you. Have wonderful day. Good to Awesome, great. Oh, awesome. See ya. And those are our cards. But now we've been bumped. Society has been bumped. We all have been bumped. Corona bumped us all off of our north. And when you're bumped, what spills out is what's inside you. That's what we talked about. Remember we talked about Job. When he was bumped, worship came out. It says at the bottom, In all this, Job worshipped the Lord and did not sin by blaming God and wrongdoing. What does the book of Job, chapter 1, explain to us about God? It's a tough one. You ready for this? On Father's Day, this this reveals about God that he is dad, and he said so. Ever have a dad said that? When you said, dad, why? What? Because I'm dad, and I said so. Anyone say that as a dad? Ed, get ready. You'll be saying that pretty quick. Yeah. Anyone say that as a dad? Dean, did you ever say, I'm dad, and I said so? Yeah. So Yeah, he did. We do, we do. And the book of Job, when we say, God, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there pain? Why is there suffering? One of the answers that scripture gives us is, I'm dad, and I said so. Now, when pain, when suffering happens to us, we have a tendency, we have a tendency to have a few different reactions. The first is, we like cheap, quick, easy, fast answers. We do. When we have the question why, why do bad things happen to good people, why is there suffering, we all want a quick, cheap, comfortable, fast answer. The first thing we learn from Job chapter 1 is that when bad things happen, we should not look for the cheap, fast, quick answer easy answer. It's tempting. It's tempting. And a lot of times, if you're religious, if you're religious, not really, that doesn't really matter what religion, but if you're religious, typically the cheap answer to why suffering is, well, you must have done something wrong. You're being punished. You know, you weren't good, and so therefore God's not being good to you. You did something bad, therefore something bad is happening to you. Most religious people, no matter what religion they are, a lot of times answer the question of suffering that way. Now, if you're not religious, if you're not religious, typically your answer to why suffering is well, there's no God. And so it's just random. It's just a roll of the dice. It's just random. And if there is a God, this proves that he ain't loving. And he's out of touch. So if you're not religious, those are typically your answers to why suffering. One, there is no God. Obviously, look around. It's just chance. It just happened to you by chance. Or if there is a God, he's out of touch. He don't care about you. He don't care about me. <coughs> oh, that was an amen over there, or is that a window kid? That was awesome. Window kid. <laughs> that was perfect timing. Um, those are the two cheap, cheap, quick answers. One from a religious perspective, and one from a non-religious. And Job chapter 1 answers those questions. And it says, look at it, look at it. Number 1, the answer to that question is, God is punishing me, or God is punishing you. Job chapter 1 says, eh, not necessarily true. Now there is other times in scripture that says, God allows things to happen to you. So that you can correct. The book of Proverbs says, he who spares the rod does not love his child, or meaning he who does not correct his children does not love them. So there is correction in our lives by God. He's our Father. But it is always out of love. And in here, you find that Job was not being punished. God himself says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on earth. He fears God and does good always. So what happened to Job right here is not punishment. And what is happening to you or as happened to you is probably not punishment or may not be punishment. That's not how God works. And then for those that are non-religious and say, well, this just proves there is no God, that he doesn't care. And he's not a part of your everyday life. No. What's crazy about this is, one, you got to understand, none of these bad ideas that happened to Job came from God. Every single one of these bad ideas came from the evil one. God never thought up any of these bad ideas. But what also is true is God was in control the entire time. That's what's crazy to me. Before Satan could do anything to Job, Satan had to come and get permission. Did you see that? He had, he had to come before God and say, hey, can I mess with Job? Because what's, what is Satan's intent in messing with people? It's two things. One, to expose people are fraud. And two, Satan wanted Job to curse God. That was the point. Satan's goal with this hurting Job and taking everything away from Job was to get Job to curse God evil only has one objective it's to get you to believe God's not real and if it can't do that it's trying to get you to believe God's not good that's it those are the only two objectives of evil first we want it wants you to believe God's not real and if it can't succeed in that because something in you says, no, God is real. He is real. I know i the creation. I've seen it when someone talked to me the truth. I've seen it in God's word. I know he's real. And then the, then the enemy is going to work diligently to get you to believe that he's no good. And that was Satan's goal with Job. What's crazy about God, and this is what I don't understand, and I won't understand until I get there, god allows this he allows this to a man who is good he hasn't done anything wrong god allows it god says go ahead go ahead try to accomplish your task timothy keller says god only allows satan enough rope to hang himself meaning god gives satan enough permission to accomplish the complete opposite of the goal of evil. The book of Acts chapter 17 says that each one of you was born when you were born, where you were born, and allowed to go through what you've gone through. For that journey will give you the greatest opportunity to reach out, it says, To reach out for God and find that He is not far from you. The whole goal of good is for you to be in a relationship with God. And this is what's incredible about God. The whole goal of evil is to get you away from a relationship with God. But God allows evil to ultimately pull you back in. Now, we are children. And any one of you that's a dad is learning or has learned, and I'm learning, and i got a good friend who is helping me, that I cannot force my children into a relationship or into a way of living that I want. Ever try to force a teenager into the way of living that you want them to? Good luck. Good luck. They say that teenagers are like an FM radio station. At about age 14, the station begins to become staticky. And by 17, 18, it's full static. That static goes into when they're 21, 22. about 21, 22, you start hearing some transmission again. And by 25, it's clear, and you can talk to them again. Wow, nice to have you back. I heard this comedian say one time that teenagers have three words in their language. And whatever. <laughs> those, those are the three words of teenagers. Did you do your homework? Psh, what Psh, what do you mean? Hey, how'd you do on your test uh, the other day? What? what? You know? And hey, I'd like for you to come down to the dinner table on time. Whatever. What, whatever. This comedian said, you know, I've been reading these articles about these 40-year-old men that are now getting in touch with themselves. And they're calling up their father. And they're telling him, Dad, you ruined my life. You emotionally ruined me. You ruined me. And I've got all these mental issues because of what you've done to me. He goes, I'll tell you what. When I'm in my 70s, if my 40-year-old son calls me and tells me all the things that I did wrong in his life, i got one word for him, whatever. (laughs) That was funny to me. I'm currently about ready to start raising teenagers. And I love them. And I've got some good examples to help teach you how to do it. But we are God's children. We are God's children. And we laugh at that about teenagers, but can we do the same? When God directs our steps, God directs our path, and He uses firm correction, Don't a lot of times we go, psh, psh, whatever. You know, when Jesse was little, he's older now, so he gets it, but when Jesse was little, he would come downstairs and he'd be hungry He'd be, he be radished Oh, he'd be so hungry And it would be 4.30 And he'd be going straight for the sugars Right, straight for the sugar Wherever he could find candy or whatever i would be like, whoa, bro, whoa, whoa, bro, 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 bro dude, No, 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 dude, we're eating like in an hour, bro We do not have it. Why, dad? Because, bro, I said, dude, no, we're ha- dude Why, you know? But now he's gotten older and he's starting to understand. A lot of times, you and me in our spiritual walk, we're like a three-year-old. And when we're not getting what we want in our spiritual journey, or we're not getting what we want in our lives, a lot of times, why, Dad? Why? And what what a lot of times we as Christians want is this really nice, warm, and fuzzy answer. Well, it's because I'm going to give you a nice fluffy kitten at the end of this ride we know that that's not reality that doesn't always happen but if we look at scripture Romans 8 tells us that all things work together for good to them that love God to them that are called according to his purpose that God is first and foremost for his good which when God is for his good our good is what follows and we have a hard time we have a hard time believing in that We have a hard time believing you. So on this Father's Day 2020, crazy corona, crazy. I want you to see from something on earth that looks evil. Because I can only imagine how Job felt. His kids were taken from him. His wealth was taken from him. His comfort was taken from him. Later on you'll see that his health is going to be taken from him. Shoot, even his friends abandoned him. His wife even abandoned him. Job was in a pretty rough spot, but we, the reader, can see behind the scenes, and the entire time, God was in control. Nothing was happening outside of God's permission, and nothing has changed in 2020 from when Job happened. God is in control, and nothing, no matter how evil it seems or how evil it feels, God is in control. And I want to encourage you. Do not allow your present circumstances. Do not allow these two lies. Do not believe that God's not real. And don't believe that he is not good. Those are the two only tricks that Satan has. He's a two-trick pony. He wants you to believe God's not good or God's not real. Don't believe it. And when you're having a difficult time, remember, God is Dad. He is all-powerful. He is all-loving. He is everywhere. And when you have a question, and he answers because I said so, you're going to have to be okay with that. Because Dad said so. Believe he loves you. Believe he's good. Believe he's real on this Father's Day. Lord, we thank you so much for the book of Job. We thank you for the lessons that we can learn. We thank you that we can learn lessons from our kids and raising our kids. Lord, I know that I have good intent. I have good desire for my children. But I know sometimes Lord, it's really hard for them to believe it. Lord, I see what it must feel like for you, and I'm like, no! I ain't going that way! No! And yet you have good desire for me. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you help me believe in your good? By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you help me believe in your realness? Help me walk according to your plan. Lord, we are coming to the book of Job because we as a young church desire wisdom. And Lord, we are finding out today, yet we found out last week, Lord, that wisdom starts with hearing you. Full respect, full awe, full reverence for you, God. That's where wisdom begins. Today, Lord, we followed through on that story and on that narrative, and we learned that wisdom is also being able to say, yes, Dad. Okay, Dad. Give us wisdom today, God, to say, yes, Dad. To say, okay, Dad. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Happy Father's Day. I hope you go home, and I hope it's not just box of briefs and new ties. I hope that it's some good food, some good walks along the river, some good swimming in a river or lake. So we're nice and cool and fun. I hope there's a grill involved. I hope there's a piece of dead meat on the grill somewhere. You guys will have a great, great Father's Day. And ultimately, God, you are our Father. So happy Father's Day. Thank you for being a good and loving Father. Amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week. As we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world, please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.